Hi, and welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. This is Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and I would love for you to leave me a review of this podcast and also to share and like it and share it with your friends, see what they think and let me know. I would love to shout you out on social media. And also, I would love for you to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Sadaf OBGYN, as well as TikTok. I also have started a YouTube channel at Dr. Sadaf Intimacy Coach. I'd love for you to follow me on all of those channels. And most importantly, I'd love for you to become a patient. I am now accepting telehealth patients for sexual health as well as menopause health in New York and Michigan. So if you are a woman that is looking for a doctor that understands you and can actually take the time to listen to all of your concerns, reach out to me. Reach out at drsadaf at drsadaf.com. And I would love to see you as a patient. And now for the episode. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sadaf Lodian. This episode is everything you need to know about how ADHD can affect intimacy. But before we get into it, the first thing I want to make very clear is that I am not giving any type of medical advice. So if you have any concerns about your health, please speak with your healthcare provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please ask your friendly neighborhood religious leader. And this is the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that talks about sex. So I am super excited as always to have on with me another fantastic guest. And today, we have on with us Dr. Diana Mercado, and Dr. Diana is going to introduce herself and let us know what she does. Awesome. Thank you for having me today. I think this is such an amazing service that you're doing to the community to talk about topics that sometimes we don't want to talk about or we don't realize that they're important to talk about. So thank you for what you're doing. Uh, so my name is uh, Dr. Diana Mercado Marmarash. I'm a family medicine physician and I'm an ADHD life coach for physicians and healthcare professionals. Uh, three years ago, I would have never had said those two sentences together because I was somebody who had two to 300 open charts and I felt like I had a graveyard of unfinished projects. I was so excited to start them all, but I would never finish them all. And of course, I was in my head about not having enough time and feeling ashamed that I should be doing this, should be doing that, should be doing this. But um, once I discovered life coaching and I discovered that the pandemic did a good number at bringing that to the forefront, realizing that whatever we were maybe doing, the systems we were doing could not be sustainable if you weren't around a community that could help you to do everything that you needed to do. And being a primary care physician, I I kept going. I kept seeing patients while some specialists didn't. I never took a break. And part of it was good and bad. It was good because it helped me keep that connection that some people didn't have, right? Because they felt like isolated. But at the same time, it made me realize that I had to be very careful with who was helping me because I didn't 
accidentally want to get them sick in any way if I didn't know if I was a carrier or what was going on. So that time management piece came at a standstill when I realized, oh my God, I was getting help from this and that and this, and my systems no longer fit. So life coaching helped me to realize that I didn't have to give all my time or my power away to others, that others' thoughts about me uh, didn't need to define my worth, that I could decide how I made things, um, how I responded to things. And that was life-changing for me. So with that, the time awareness piece, realizing that everybody had 24 hours and what they chose to do with those 24 hours was really up to you. It was like freeing for me. And then realizing that what if you could hack it and what if you could find a way to create time with ease or at will? Mm, Love that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know what? People, everyone has those 24 hours, right? So it's up to us to decide what we do with that. That's fantastic. So tell me about a little bit about how you got into the ADHD work of it. Yes. So I was diagnosed with ADHD myself during my first semester of med school. Hmm. And I didn't really understand it at that point because all I was told was here's the meds, like you should be okay. At that point, when I was trying to differentiate, I wasn't sure if I was just anxious or nervous or depressed because my dad had just gotten diagnosed with uh, cancer and it was my first year. And so I had this family pressure of wanting to like not let my family down because I was the first one to go to college and now medical school. So it was a lot of pressure. And and um I got told he might live two months. So I didn't know what two months meant. So that meant flying home. I was in Houston. Uh, You know, it was only a one hour flight, but if I would have driven, it was seven hours. So there was just no way. So flying home Fridays, coming back Monday, 5 a.m. So it was the cheapest flight and going back and forth. Anyways, I got finally diagnosed and I was shocked (laughs) to be diagnosed with ADHD because I didn't even know what ADHD meant. And I was embarrassed and ashamed of it. And again, because I didn't understand and I kept trying to do everything that everybody else was doing. And I I remember telling my dean when I got admitted to med school, I said, if you give me the opportunity, I will outwork whoever I need to, to get to the end result. And I think that's the thing with ADHD that you don't realize that you are outworking or you're trying to do things 10 different ways. And you don't realize that not everybody else is doing 10 different ways because you just keep going if that's what you're passionate about until you hit it. And remember, I was the first one to do this in my family. So it's not like I had somebody who was mentoring me. And so I just assumed, well, this is what you have to do. If it means I have to, you know, sleep for two hours and study for 22 so that I can pass my tests, then that's what I'm going to do. Because, you know, sometimes it was the fear of failure. It was the fear of, oh, my God, I just went and signed for how much money, you know, and and it was it was all of that. And then. I be I somehow got through it because again the fear of not wanting to fail and wanting to just do what you needed to but then I became an attending and they told me you can't keep coming to the student health you need to go see your own physician 
And when I did, unfortunately, that psychiatrist didn't even give me like more than two or three minutes of his time and told me, you're, you have ADHD, you should know you outgrow this, you're an adult, you don't need medications. And he like walked out. Oh, and no. to me, that was very like traumatic. Yeah. And again, I was already embarrassed about it. And so that led to me shutting down or not asking for help or being curious for like the next 10 years, because wow. as a primary care physician, I looked up to specialists, like I respected them. And, you know, and it was Baylor. I feel, okay, at Baylor College of Medicine, this is like the epic medicine of the world. Like they should know. Like that's what my mind kept telling me. And, and, I, and I said, okay, well, just suck it up, buttercup. Like you got this far. You're going to get wherever you need to. And so I just kept working hard, working hard, working hard unaware that that meant sometimes no boundaries, uh, that sometimes meant people pleasing. But at the same time, it also meant sometimes thinking outside the box and being outspoken and being impulsive. But because of that impulsivity and you saying out loud what everybody else is thinking, that also meant leadership and that also meant promotions and that also meant, um, you know, me becoming the chief resident and also being able to uh, become a medical director, you know, at the age of 36. So like it, it also meant other opportunities. But at that time, my internal self-talk was always not the best. And so when I finally, through coaching, started to take care of my inner self-talk and find tools for not only ADHD, then I saw that there were actually ADHD coaches. So then I tapped mm -hmm. into that. Yeah. And I didn't see anybody addressing it in the physician's perspective. So I figured I should tap into that because I figured if that was me, maybe there's others out there who felt the shame or embarrassed and didn't want to talk about it. Sure. And that's why I got into that. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you're out there helping other women or other physicians also manage ADHD. I mean, that seems very dismissive you know, having to reach out to a psychiatrist and then, you know, they telling you that you should basically just figure it out yourself and you should have outgrown it and this and that. I mean, that's awful. So I'm sorry you went through that. But, you know, um, as you know, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. So I'm wondering if you can give us a little bit of insight as to, you know, what ADHD means and what it can mean in a relationship. You know, I mean, we both know that when you're highly distracted and, you know, not able to focus on something for a long, you know, a long time that it can really cause problems. So yes, you can talk about that. So ADHD is a neuro, neurodivergent uh, disorder or syndrome or what you want to think about it. There's four main things you think you talk about um, distractibility, impulsivity, hyperactivity, and distractibility. And so the thing is that Sometimes it's also misnamed because it seems like you're not going to pay attention, but sometimes it's the opposite. You pay attention to too many things at once and that gets you into trouble. Like you might be listening to three conversations around you and not to the person right in front of you. And that makes you feel, or, or you might have this time blindness. And so it, it's, it's what the things that bring you together in a relationship might be that you are so flexible. You can think of so many different things. You're so spontaneous. And so that brings you together with somebody who maybe has the opposite, right? But then that's also what can bring you apart because then the other person's like, well, 
this person's not pulling their weight. Like we are adults now. Like they need to be paying the bills. They need to da da da. Why do they want to go for a hike? Why do they want to like, or why are they late doing this and that? And, and they're not trying to be late. It's just that there's thousands of things that um, are fighting for your attention. And sometimes again, at the beginning, the new relationship, it's all dopamine, it's all central, it's all like new candy, right? So it's just amazing. And then you get into the routine of things, and it can become that sex or the friendship or the talk is just, okay, well, one more thing to do in the to do list, and that can get you into trouble. And while you're in the act of doing something, your mind is also thinking, oh, my God, did I even put the 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 dishes away or did i did i even uh, oh my, i forgot to put the dryer like it's gonna smell it's gonna be moldy so you're like thinking of ten thousand other things instead of being like mindful and like you just said present in the moment and and so that's where it can get you into trouble because with that communication aspect of it it and again it's not that we don't care because while i'm talking to you you are the most important thing until something else gets my attention and then you're like, what? How is the phone more important that we were just having a moment? And then you're like, oh, yeah. And then you come back and they're like, forget it. And you're like, what? Right? And Or sometimes, like, if you're overstimulated, meaning you're asking too many things, like executive function, when we're talking about ADHD, we're not just talking about paying attention. We're talking about task switching. We're talking about task completion. We're talking about planning. We're talking about time management. We're talking, so all these things, organization, right? So you see how if I'm doing something and you come and ask me something else, I might not know which one of those are the priority. So I might drop the more important thing or you might've thought I already did it and I hadn't even started it because I got sidetracked somewhere else. And so that can cause a lot of miscommunication. Um, sometimes we don't want to say no, not because we feel like rejected. Sometimes that's the thing. But the other thing is because we really want to do it. And we didn't realize we couldn't do 10 things. And other people usually have three things in their to-do list. And we had 10 things thinking we could do all of them at once. So you sometimes overcommit. So with this, this so when you ask me a question, I might answer how I'm thinking. And if you ask me again the same question tomorrow, somebody with ADHD, I might answer how I'm feeling. How I'm thinking and feeling might not ma like match. But if you ask somebody without ADHD the same question today or in 10 years from now, they're going to give you the exact same answer. And you can see how that could be a miscommunication because the other person can be like, but you just told me yesterday X, Y, Z. And I said, yeah, that was yesterday. They're like, oh, forget it. I was paying attention and you didn't listen. And, and so that, again, becomes a relation. If you don't understand that, that can become a trigger. Or if you really are working at the top of your game, but that other person still thinks that you're working at your 10% of your game, you can see how you're like, but oh, my God, I'm exhausted. I did everything. He, and he, they don't even acknowledge it. And so then you're like, what's the point? So all that can kill the intimacy because in your mind you're thinking of like and sometimes when you're a female i feel like the gender roles unfortunately unfortunately sometimes like all lay on you like you need to be the mom be the nurse be the doctor be <laughs> be the lawyer be the nanny be like the accountant like be all the things and then if you don't have some of this like 
how do I take care of myself, self boundaries, time for yourself, time to remember you, to slow down enough to take care of you. You're so depleted that that intimacy, even though you want to have it, you're exhausted. Like you, you you're like a magnet with ten things, and then and then you're like, oh, and I'm still supposed to look beautiful, right? So we could just do this thing. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Now I I totally get it, and I think that <clears throat> all the things you bring up are so important, right? With people with ADHD, and even if you don't have ADHD, I think even if you're very highly distractible right? You're not able to focus in the moment. You're not able to be present or be mindful in the moment. And that's the whole definition of mindfulness, right? Just being present in the moment without judgment. And when we're not able to do that, when we have so many things that we're thinking about all at the same time, it's so hard to create that intimacy, whether it's emotional or physical or what have you. And there have been several studies that have been done on creating, um, intimacy and to increase specifically actually um, increasing desire and increasing arousal. And for both of those things, the studies have been done and it shows that mindfulness is what is really needed. And so when you are highly distractible, then, you know, I can definitely see that your arousal would go down, your libido would go down because you're not able to really focus on what it is that you're doing because you have so many things on your plate. And actually to add to what you were talking about with you know women and gender roles and you know so many um you know that you're responsible for you know the kids the the house the food whatever um there's also studies that have been shown that the uneven distribution of household chores also leads to decrease in libido and decrease in arousal but specifically libido because again just like what you're saying when you have so many things on your plate you're not going to feel like you want to be in the mood when you're thinking about the laundry, you're thinking about dishes, you're thinking about Johnny and his play date and you know what was for dinner last night, what do I need to cook tomorrow morning and breakfast and lunch and this, it's just not going to happen, right? And so increasing that mindfulness and that awareness during the day and trying to practice it really actually helps all different facets of your life. So, you know, I'd love to know actually with your coaching, um, what are ways that you teach individuals how they can be more mindful or maybe perhaps get a little grasp on their ADHD. Yes, and you brought a very important point up that you don't have to have ADHD to try to implement any of these things that we are talking about because in this world, there's so many things that are affecting our attention, right? Like Facebook, like Instagram, like the ding on the computer, like Netflix, you name it, right? Everything's like trying to catch our attention. Mm -hmm. Um, And in my coaching, actually, I've, I've been very blessed to have the privilege to have helped about 90 physicians in the last two years. And I would say about 80% of them had ADHD, but the others didn't. And and the ones that didn't, again, it was the same thing. They're pu- being pulled in so many directions and they don't realize how important um, boundaries are. And they don't realize like what is important for them until you ask them like, okay, what are your strengths? And sometimes we have to get to the point of where like, okay, if you just had 24 hours to live, what would you do? Because I ask them, what do you do for fun? And they just look at me like blank. And I'm like, no, like, seriously, like, let's say <laughs> I called you and I look and I were to tell you, hey, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you only have 24 hours to live. What would you do? What would you do if you had a, a week, a month, a year? And some of them say, 
um, you know, not go to work. Or some of them say, well, well, I'll go to the beach. And they all spend time with my family. And then I ask, okay, so what of that, like an attention audit, I call it, like what of that is stealing your attention or stealing your energy or stealing your mindfulness? Because maybe you're not at work 24-7, but you're thinking about work 24-7. You're thinking of those open notes or you know, when was the last time you dreamed up your family vacation? When was the last time you picked up a book to really read it just for fun, not because you have to go complete a CME thing, right? And so we forget that sometimes we stop dreaming in high school. Like we, you know, that was the last time that we decided what we wanted to do. So to practice mindfulness, because emotional regulation, it's actually an executive function. And I, a lot mm-hmm. of us don't realize. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. And emotional regulation is so important because Everything that we do is because of an emotion. Like, why do we decide to get married? Oh, probably because we think we're going to have, like, a partnership, right? Why do we buy that house? Oh, we think we're going to be in a safe neighborhood. Why did we send them to that college? Oh, you know, they're going to have us. Everything we do is because of an emotion, right? And so sometimes when you don't realize that emotions are just trying to protect you, and they're not, all your emotions are not you. Like, because sometimes our brain is really good at being dramatic to try to keep you safe. And when you don't realize that maybe there's a misinterpretation somewhere, then what happens? Adrenaline goes up, cortisol level goes up, and then you wonder why you keep eating everything <laughs> and why you're so stressed and why you can't lose the weight despite you doing X, Y, and Z, or why you're always like on overdrive. So, I tell them to use meditation. I tell them to like turn on a music, dance to Shakira, like go outside, like touch the trees, like walk barefooted. Like it sounds silly, but all those things ground you. And it doesn't have to be like 30 minutes. Like it could literally be two to three minutes and it can switch your mindset. And even you just visualizing a task completed, your brain doesn't know you haven't completed it. And so it can already release the norepinephrine and the oxytocin, the serotonin that that make you feel good hormones. So if you can worry, you can wonder. I wonder what it would be like to complete the task, right? I wonder how I would feel. So even though our normal setting is thinking negatively, unfortunately, it's just because it's trying to keep us safe. But what if we could turn it around through gratitude or self-compassion to make us realize that what we have is still uh, ours and it's still a choice. Like you still decided that job, you still decided that marriage, you still, you know, you could decide not to take care of your kids if you want. Like you could hire somebody for 24 hours. Like, and so we forget that we always have a choice and And, and emotions and mindfulness. And I really like tapping. I don't know if you've heard of tapping. Tapping is an emotional freedom technique. It's actually mm. evidence-based. It can decrease your cortisol levels by 30 to 40%. Wow. And, and tapping, you just literally tap like on different uh, parts. And they're supposed to be where they do the acupuncture in those areas. But I don't know if it's because you're actively doing something that you're not overthinking 10,000 things with meditation. You're wondering, am I doing this right? Am I not doing this? And so you're constantly, you know, uh, judging yourself versus with tapping. It's kind of a mix of affirmation versus saying like, okay, I, even though I am really mad, I choose to love and accept myself. And so like it, it just, normalizes what it is it helps you process a feeling not ignore the feeling 
uh, and realize that it only takes 90 seconds for us to process a feeling, but some of us hold on to feelings of fear or anger or judgment or you name it for years. And it's like we're walking around with little like rocks that makes us heavier and heavier. And, and sometimes we have to learn to laugh at ourselves because it seems like the end of the world, but then you just re- realize that, you know, in five years, is it going to matter that that just happened, right? Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. I think that, um, you know, it's really important, like what you said, to be able to recognize and to be able to laugh at yourself. I'm really actually intrigued about that tapping. I've never heard of it. So what is it you just when you feel really stressed out, you just tap your forehead or you just tap different places? You said that you get acupuncture. Is it like a just on your face? Or is it on different parts of your body? So there's nine different places that you tap at. Um, And it's interesting. There is an app. It's called the Tapping Solution. But you can also just go on YouTube and type the word tapping for anxiety or tapping for whatever. And and like I said, the name of it, the medical name or the other name for it is called Emotional Freedom Technique. So it's like a type of therapy, but it's self-therapy and something you can do yourself or, and I tell this to my patients all the time. I'm like, this is better than Xanax and I'm not going to give you Xanax. I go because Xanax is short lived, but I want you to walk away with a tool that you can use at any time. Um, and, and if you do like it, I, I think you do like a two week trial for free. You just give an email. And if you do like it, I think it's like $69 for a year. I think it's a, like a no brainer. Anyways, I've probably used it like 600 hours since the pandemic because it's really helped me regulate. And the cool thing about it is that they have so many different ones. Like they have some to help you declutter, to help you start overthinking, to help you feel central, to help you lose weight, to help you with your chronic pain. And even for kiddos, like to help them go to sleep, to help with like self uh, compassion or with kindness or uh, like, and so I use it for my kiddos all the time because I have a four and a five-year-old and oh my God, if I leave them, they would go to sleep at 11. So we're tapping they know that they gotta relax and and so again some of them are short like three to five minutes but some of them are a little bit longer I think 15 minutes or less and the cool thing is that you can rate it let's say you're a 10 out of 10 mad so you put a 10 and then at the end when you went through the thing you rate it again so maybe you're not at a six so it brought you down a level and it's interesting as you're going through that process of processing the feeling another feeling might come up like you thought maybe you were mad but really you were just like sad or you were disappointed or you were frustrated like and and you might start to discover different layers and that might help you tap into like it's not really about this situation that is happening but it's because maybe this happened when I was a kid or maybe this happened over there and, and so it just starts you to give awareness so when I started using it um I actually heard it through a psychiatry uh, podcast that she was talking about it. And I was like, well, I don't know, but I'll give it a try. I'm like, whatever, what I got to lose, right? But sure enough, like I use it every day at lunch to help me ground myself so that I can start the rest of the day, like the afternoon, like with a clean slate so that I don't feel like I'm still dragging everything. It just, and so whether you're sad or mad or happy or angry, or you're just trying to get yourself to start a task, like, I feel like it's a way to tap into mindfulness, to tap into um, emotional regulation, 
because uh, it just it just helps you feel better. They have some that say tap into peace or into courage or get me ready for a presentation or um, and they even have some for like people who are going through IVF. You know, unfortunately, wow. some of those things like can be so emotional for us because as females, we feel like we should be able to be a mom. Like that should be the thing. Right. And, and that could also put a lot of pressure as you're trying to have intimate setting with your husband. If all you're thinking is like, I can't even get pregnant. I can't even get pregnant. Like you, that's going, those soundtracks that we have in our brain can really affect the connection and can really affect, uh, that close closefulness. So I really think that if you've never tried it, you should just give yourself the opportunity to be open-minded because I know when I I had, I went through IVF, my first one was IVF. I was like up for anything. I was like, you name it, acupuncture, sleep backwards, whatever you need me to do to get pregnant. Like we, we get to a stage where we're so desperate for wanting something and and then and I know they always say just let go and it'll happen and I'm like how do you do that I've never learned to just let go like all my life I worked for what I got it like what do you mean let go right I I think I definitely physicians are super a plus type personalities we we just can't just let go right we don't we don't that's not the way we work we don't just let go yeah but yeah absolutely you know i can i can see how that you know would work i guess it's i don't know i maybe it's shifting your attention to something else right maybe so that you don't like you said you know focus on that one soundtrack i think what you brought up is a very good point you know like uh, in, in regard to infertility or trying to conceive is that you know like why am i not getting pregnant why is everybody able to get pregnant why am i not able to get pregnant why is it taking me so long you know what's wrong with me blah 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 right so all those things are going through your head so when you're able to regulate that when you're able to calm those voices down and even if you can't get rid of them, at least just put them aside for a little while, um, then you're able to be more mindful in whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's being intimate with your partner or your spouse or focusing on one task at a time, right? And that probably also helps with overwhelm, right? You and I, we're both in a coaching program and we know our business coach always says we don't do overwhelm. So, you know, I guess just focusing on the task at hand and not get letting your mind get so cluttered with everything else going on. Um, you know, I can see how that would work. So, and definitely help out with relationships, right? Yes, because we, I don't know who taught us somewhere that multitasking was the way to go. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> nice ever, right? Work. Yeah. <laughs> There's studies out there that show that if you literally just did one thing at a time, and did one thing at a time for like nine months, you would save three months. Had you done multitasking for those nine months, it would take you a year. So you would literally save three whole months had you just done one thing at a time. But but somehow we always keep thinking like we should be doing two things at once. Let me just start this and then I'll do that. And the thing is, that's still, again, delay. Like you still have that tab open. So it's not like you're fully concentrated on what you're doing. Yeah. But but with, with coaching, like my aim for my program is to yeah. help physicians leave work at work, but it's never just about work. Like we, once you're, you're there, you realize again, the, the guilt and the shame of you not feeling like you're the mom you want to be or the wife you want to be because you're home, but you're thinking about your charts or you're at work, but you're thinking, oh, I'm missing my kid's ball game or whatever. Right. And so it's, 
again, realizing that those soundtracks really make a difference. And it's, and I'm not trying to say here, okay, let's just get rid of it because we're not thought switching. We're, we're just, like you said, learning to maybe lower down the volume on some of them yeah. or, or getting to a, uh, a thought that is maybe a little bit more closer to where you want to be. So like sometimes, you know, people find it weird to look in the mirror and say three beautiful things about yourself. But it's like if you can't even do a two minute exercise to tell yourself how amazing you are, like who else is going to do that for you? Like stop asking for validation outside of you, you yeah. know? Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I love everything you're talking about. And I think it's so pertinent and I think it's pertinent to anyone, whether or not you have ADHD. And, you know, I bet you most people have ADHD, to be honest, because with all of the social media and the constant switching and the instant gratification and going from one thing to the next thing, I mean, honestly, I, mean, I probably have it too. <laughs> you know, I think that it's just so hard to focus on one thing and that's why the practice of mindfulness is so important now right is just to be able to focus on that one thing get it done get it completed and then move on yeah and usually as fe uh, females don't get diagnosed unfortunately with adhd until later in age then uh, and usually the birth of a child or when they become like into law school or med school or college or something where their systems is no longer working or maybe they become the ceo of a company and they have all this admin stuff they have to do that's usually when they get diagnosed or when their kiddo who's a teenager is now getting diagnosed they're like wait those kind of sound like me. And so sometimes it's real. People don't realize, right, that uh, anxiety and depression might be there because you have uncontrolled ADHD. Yes. And yeah. so I'm just saying, be a, just be curious and like, don't be afraid to go seek a third, fourth, fifth diagnosis or opinion per se, because yeah. uh, I don't want you to do what I did, sit there for 10 years and then just thinking that, you know, that there's nothing wrong with you. And again, not that there is wrong, but why would you want to work so much harder if there's other resources out there for you? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for somebody listening to this podcast and wondering whether or not they have, you know, ADHD, what are some, I don't know, what are some helpful signs that you think, you know, they should look for? And then what are some power thoughts you think that they should walk away with? Yeah. So I, I feel like somebody time blindness is a big thing. If you're somebody who um, who has the best intentions, but always shows up like two hours late <laughs> or somebody who has 10,000 tasks that you haven't completed or somebody who um, feels like you have so much potential, you just can't bring it to the finish line. I would consider for you to look into the possibility of ADHD because you don't, intelligence has nothing to do uh, right. with your ADHD. And it could be that, look where you're amazing at. Like it could be that you're like an amazing like pianist or you're an amazing surgeon who can stand there for three hours straight and not have to do anything because you're so hyper-focused, but like you can't do X, Y, Z. So it, it, it has to be in two areas of your life. It can't just be, like at work or just that stuff. But usually people at work tend to mask it more because then by it's like you have a full battery, but at the end of the day, it's drained. And so that's yeah. why when you get home, you're just like, like you know, and, you're, and you wish you could have all the energy you had at work in the morning, but you just don't. So um, 
again, whether you have ADHD or not, if you walk away with today thinking, okay, how can I refuel myself throughout the day? Like, what can I do to take care of me? Like, where can I do like a two minute meditation or a two minute quick breath work? Or can I just wash my hands uh, slowly and like enjoy as like do that breath for me? Or like, sounds silly, but they really is you choosing you, you choosing what soundtrack you want to put Instead of just the soundtrack of like, I'm late, I'm late, or I'm behind, I'm behind, or I'm not keeping up with them, whatever. You're on purpose choosing joy and peace in that moment. And those few moments slowly can start to bring you back to gratitude and, and can bring you back to that connection so that you can have that connection with your spouse or with your kids. And sometimes when we're about to lose it because the kids are screaming or whatever, I mean, I start screaming with them and then laughing and they're looking at me. I'm like, what? I thought we were having a party. And then, you know, so so it's like what you make it mean. You know, I was like, I can scream longer. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I know, right? It's fun. And then they're like, oh, my God, mom, you're embarrassing me. And I'm like, really? Well, you started it, you know. But being aware that if they're acting like that or if we are acting like that, maybe something we maybe have not eaten. Maybe we haven't drank water. Like maybe we haven't slept. Like checking in with yourself and being mindful. Just like what you do with a kid, right? Like you need to realize you're going to love that kid unconditionally. So why not start loving you unconditionally? I love that. I love that. Why not love yourself unconditionally? And that's, you know, that's something that we never think about because we're always giving to others. Um, and and I love that that why not love ourselves conditionally unconditionally that's that's fantastic so I love that so where can people find you how can they reach out to you what if they want to work with you what do they do awesome so you can find me at adhd-lifecoach.com and like I said you don't have to have ADHD to come work with me but if you just want to come and tweak your system so that you can have better workflow at home and better workflow in the office, come help me in my group. I actually have a declutter coach. So that's pretty amazing because they can personalize your stuff. Uh, so we have a virtual setup, uh, but I can also, if you have, uh, if you would like me to support your, uh, I can, I love to be a guest coach. I, you know, sometimes go and help and talk about emotions or boundaries or time management. So I can help you in that way, or I can help create workshops for or retreats for your um, uh, settings. And I actually have a my first international retreat that I'll be having in Costa Rica in two right. weeks, May 1st through the 6th. And um I decided that CME didn't have to be boring and that we could do the CME as we we're hiking through the Areola volcano or as we going down the river float safari looking at monkeys or as wow. we're in the hot springs or as we're, you know, why not? Why not do it in a way that you will remember that you uh, decided to evaluate where you're at and where you're going and and doing it with the people around you, a community that just gets you and so that you don't feel judged. And as you and I know, community is key. And yeah. and uh, the pandemic, I really didn't highlighted that fact that, um, you know, your family is not just somebody blood, right? But somebody who you connect energetically with and 
and who's there to enhance you. And those that are depleting us, we might have to cut some ties sometimes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We may have to cut that cord, right? As an OB, you yes. need to cut that cord. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And do you have any Instagram or TikTok handles or anything like that that you are on that uh, people can choose to follow you on? Yes, uh, beyond uh, beyond ADHD Life Coach. Um, I have a podcast that is called Beyond ADHD: A Physician's Perspective. So if you uh, if you're somebody with ADHD or if you have somebody who you support that has ADHD or you just have some hacks because you figured it out, come tell us, please, so that we can, we can all uh, learn and enhance each other. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Mercado, for being here and for sharing your knowledge about ADHD because I know I learned a lot and I'm sure everyone listening did as well. So thank you again. And while we are done here and it's been real and really intimate and remember that this is not meant to be any type of medical advice. So if you feel like you may have ADHD or need help, please reach out to your healthcare provider and definitely feel free to be assessed. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. So thank you for listening to the podcast and make sure you leave us a review, share and like the podcast. And if you leave me a review, I'd love to shout you out on social media. So be sure that you share it with all your friends and thanks for listening. Thanks.